Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Church, it is great to have you with us today. Why don't you go ahead and take your seats? It's also amazing if you are joining in and tuning in online, you are just as much part of the family. In a few moments time, we're gonna be jumping in to the start of a brand new series that we're gonna be running throughout the month of December. But before we do that, let's just talk shop for a moment. And if you call Liverpool One Church your home, and maybe this is the church that you've been a part of for a number of months now, you will have heard us speaking about this concept of something that we launched recently called our legacy offering. And just in case you maybe weren't in the room or maybe if you're new to church, let me fill you in so that everybody is on the same page. Basically, we launched a brand new initiative in church this year and we said that what we wanted to do was we wanted to create a platform and an opportunity for us as a church here to provide you and me too with the chance to give an above and beyond offering into the local church here that is above our typical normal tithes and offerings that we bring in each month. And we kind of explained that we would be taking in pledges. And what's been so amazing to see is actually just hearing some of the stories. Because we said way back, like, if you're married, will you as husband and wife, will you pray together and earnestly just ask God what, what you feel God might be asking you to do in this offering? And it's just been really beautiful actually to hear of some of the stories of just how God has been speaking to people's hearts and just encouraging them to be brave and bold and courageously give in a crazy way. For some, it's the first time they've ever done that. And honestly, I count it a real honour that I get to play a part in this church, leading people like you who are just so diligently aware of wanting to take, to take God's leadership in your life. And we have been taking pledges throughout the month of November and kind of asking the church to bring that legacy offering in. Now, we are in a position to release that total today. But what I do want you to know is that we said that our legacy offering was always gonna be for three specific things. Firstly, we wanna make sure that we're always the kind of church that helps around the world. So we've got a project that we're engaged with out in Kenya, that we're looking at building a dining hall and a library for children to be educated in. And we're super proud that we're gonna be able to hopefully get that done. And we're also mindful that we not only wanna help around the corner, but also, sorry, not only around the world, but also around the corner too. And we want to help some of the most hurting and needy in our city and in our nation too. And then the third and final stream that our legacy offering is going to be going in is, is for home. Like it's for this house. It's to make sure that our user end experience of what people partake in and enjoy in every single weekend is as good as we can possibly make that. So in light of those being the three clear streams that we ask you to financially contribute, 
we have been able to do something together which I just think is pretty incredible. So I want you to get ready real, real quick right now to just celebrate and be thankful to God and all that He has done in you and through you because Liverpool One Church, you have raised 65,472 pounds. I mean, that is just insane generosity. I mean, you guys are amazing. I mean, who'd have thought, right? I mean, that is just incredible. I mean, way to go, you guys. And we're all playing our part in this. But I want you to know that Emma and I and our staff team here are just incredibly grateful for the sacrifice for what it takes to bring into just a local church, right? An offering like that. And I'm excited to be able to share as we move forward all the good stories that I'm convinced that God is gonna do through your obedience of being generous. So we love you, we appreciate you. That is crazy. You guys are crazy generous. Okay, so now I guess in an attempt to maybe change gear, but why bother using the clutch? I wanna try and move us into the opening part of our current series. And I say this all the time, but the last thing you need is just another word or some thoughts or scriptures that are being shared from me. What you need and what you want is the same thing that I need. And that's what I wanna leave church today, feeling like something from heaven has just been deposited into my heart and soul. And that's never gonna happen unless we first choose to pray. So can we just close our eyes, bow our heads, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, upon whom I am so incredibly dependent this morning, I pray that you would take these simple thoughts and simple words and make them not about me, but rather bring your life-giving words of Scripture, your sacred Scripture, bring them to life in the depths of our hearts. I pray that you would give us ears to hear today and hearts that are open as we simply try and follow the red text and follow what your Scriptures would guide us and lead us to do in an attempt to just honour you with our broader lives. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, so we are going today to talk about one of the biggest causes of stress and tension and anxiety that happens in your world and in mine, because we're all the same. Because the month of December, if we're going to be honest, is a month that is like no other. The reality is, is that your family and your friendship groups and your relational connections are going to be more prevalent in the month of December than they are in any of the other 11 months. Chances are that as we approach this Christmas season, as we approach this holiday season where if I'm right in thinking you may have booked some time off, you're probably going to spend more time with your friendship circles and your family connections in this month than in any other. And yet, whilst we're excited about doing that for some, not everybody is because you know that actually for as fun as it can be around family and friends, it can also be the biggest cause of stress, 
tension and anxiety. I mean, the reality of it is, is that some of your family connections and some of your friendship connections, some of your relationships, when they're good, they're good, but when they're really bad, they're kind of wicked. And when they go wrong, it leaves you feeling like, why is my life so tension riddled and full of all this drama and carnage and chaos? And we're all the same in this. I mean, you can have plans this Christmas, for the perfect idyllic Christmas scene, right? You can have plans to be seated at the table in perfect harmony with all of the children, the cousins, the distant relatives, and yet you know, because history tells you this, at some point, some kind of conversation is gonna get a little bit awkward, maybe even a little bit argumentative, maybe things are gonna get a little bit tense, and if it doesn't happen over the dinner table, It can certainly happen at the office party, right? Whilst you want to get off your chest all of the previous 11 months worth of tension and being spoken to in a certain way. And our family and friendship connections can just feel a little tense. Now, here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're in church today, the great news is, is that we're going to make this so nuts and bolts applicable to your life that if you do what the text says, I assure you that you are going to have a significantly better time with friends and with family over this Christmas period. But the great news is that if you're in church today and you don't even call yourself a Christian, like maybe somebody has just invited you, you're not too sure what to make about Jesus, you're not too sure yet whether or not you believe in God, you certainly don't know what to make of Noah's Ark and was there really a flood, and you've got all of these questions raging around your mind. Firstly, let me say two things though, but start with saying, man, you're so welcome here and I am glad that you're in church today because we're building this church for people just like you who maybe have grown up without that experience of being in a real and authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. We're building this church for you. But then the second thing that you've got to know is I'm completely okay with you doing this for this reason. I believe that when you're a follower of Jesus, that Jesus makes you better at life and your life better. So knowing that, I'm happy for you to sit here for the next 30 minutes, listen to me talk, and you can apply this to your life. But if you don't want to embrace the fact that we're gonna be taking our points directly out of Scripture and God's Word, I give you complete permission today that you can just take out the Jesus bits. You can take out the Scripture that was written by a Apostle Paul, and you can just apply this as common sense, life skills, and application to your life because it will still enhance your family life and your friendship groups, this circle. But obviously, I'm saying that because eventually I want you to have trust and confidence that God's word actually works. Now, as far as our relational connections this Christmas, I do think that there are certain things that you and I can all do by making choices that will leave us ending up with a healthier relational life. Now, it is true, and you know people in your world that have got like the perfect 2.4 family unit. It's like their kids are never in trouble. Husband and wife, they just like, they've got it going on all of the time. Like they never have a crossword. They never argue. They never bicker. Like there are some people who have got these family units that are just perfect, right? Now, being truthful, I don't know a lot of people with the perfect family unit, but some people do have the perfect family unit and the perfect friendship circles all by way of chance. But the problem with that is it's just not common. 
Most people that have got good, balanced, stable, healthy family units, friendship connections, and relational ties have got there not as a result of chance, but as a result of a series of choices that they make. And we know this because if we think about some of the tension that happens around the Christmas period, the reality is the same for you as it is for me. A lot of the trouble, a lot of the disasters that happen in our family units over the dinner table or with our colleagues at the office party or when there's trouble after work or whatever, a lot of that drama, those disasters are typically disasters that are waiting to happen. And the thing is, is that if we were to press pause, chances are we can see them coming because it just makes perfect sense because you know it, right? You know that when you get around the table, his loudness drives you insane. And it feels to you that nobody else can get a word in edgeways. And he just comes across as all aggressive. You can see that's a disaster waiting to happen because you've been there before. Or in other eventualities, you know that when you two get together, and you're with distant cousin whoever, you fill in the blank, or distant uncle whoever, and you fill in the blank, you know that when you're together, it leads to having too much drink and then you become like a pair of bullies around the table. You become like a pair of bullies at the office party and all of a sudden the whole thing is all about you and it's loud and everybody else dreads being in your company. You know what it's like to know that a disaster is just waiting to happen. When you think about the office party and how this year is probably gonna be the same as other years when that guy or that girl who's been pecking away at your brain all year will now outside of the office environment, at the gig, at the concert, at the venue, at the party, you can give them a piece of your mind, right? And even though you know it's gonna cause all of this relational shrapnel that you're gonna to have to tidy up in January, you know that this happens relationally and friendship-wise and colleague-wise, Things can just get a little bit complex and they're all a disaster that are waiting to happen. But with disasters that are waiting to happen, if we know that they could happen, why don't we look ahead and try and avoid them at the pass? Why don't we look ahead, maybe even to Scripture, and ask the question, is there anything that Scripture would have to say that could help us all better manage the tensions that exists in our family life over this Christmas period, in our friendship groups and in our relational circles? Is there anything from Scripture that if we were to adopt this year, it would just make everything a little less tension-filled? I was reading a book earlier on this year and actually it was all about something called emotional intelligence. Now, I know that IQ is something that we're all aware of and we've had around for a long time and you can go online and you can participate in an online IQ test and the idea is it's supposed to let you know how smart you are. Well, there are similar things that you can do now in relation to your EQ, which is all about your emotional intelligence because you might be similar to me. You might have thought that the way in which you feel emotionally is oftentimes connected with your circumstances. But what's been fascinating for me to learn is that's not true at all. We think that, hey, if life is going good, if the job's going good, if the marriage is going great, we think that that equals a strong and healthy, balanced emotional intelligence and intelligent life. It's not true at all. What's actually true when it comes to emotions 
are that emotions are not linked to circumstance, but your emotions can actually check this. You won't believe it when I tell you. Your emotions can be caught from somebody else. You know what that means? It means that if you hang out with people that are naturally low, continuously down, always gloomy, when you're in their presence, you can actually catch their emotions. In other words, how they feel can be transposed onto you, even like on a chemical, biological level, this can happen. If you're in close proximity to somebody that is wired in a certain emotional state, you can literally take upon yourself the same emotional state, which is kind of important for me to let you know about because what that means is if you hang around people all the time that see themselves as a victim, like life owes them a favour, life is not kind to them, nothing good ever happens to them, then by virtue of the fact that you're in their company, you are going to end up like that yourself oftentimes because you can simply catch somebody else's emotions. It's the same with feeling that, that sentiment of like gloom. If you're around somebody and they're just down and they're low and they're gloomy all of the time, do you know that you can catch that from them? Check this out. If you sit and another person even intentionally chooses to remain in silence around you, you can, again, on a chemical, biological level, you can catch their emotions from them to you, which is really important for you to know. Because what that means is that even in the absence of any real problem, yet in the presence of someone else that is low emotionally, you can feel emotionally down and drained, even depressed. So I think that the one thing that we've got to start to consider is, what's it like when you hang out with the people that you hang out with? Or if we make the question really real, what's it like being on the other side of you? because your emotions can be caught too. What's it like being on the other side of the dinner table from you? What emotion, what vibe, what feeling do you carry and bring into a room? And the reason why I think that it's important for us to know this is it's because I want to try and help us today as we approach this Christmas season, the holiday season, where you've probably got grandioso plans. I just want them to work out for you. But I know that whether or not they do or they don't is probably gonna be governed by the relational health that you are operating in and walking in. So maybe today it would be a good idea to figure out some very scriptural yet practical ways that will help set our relational tone for the duration of the rest of this year. Maybe there are some scriptures that we can look at that will help us to spiritually prepare for what is going to come because you know what's going to come because often disasters are disasters that are waiting to happen. So I'm going to give you three thoughts, three really simple thoughts, and then I'm going to give you some scriptures to try and back these up and create an argument that will say that if you follow these thoughts this December and into the holiday season, your relational lives, your family unit, your kids, your parents, your distant relatives and your relationship with them will go way easier than if you choose to omit this advice. So the first thing that you've got to do to try and stay relationally healthy and balanced 
this season, knowing of all of the meetings, knowing of all of the dinners, knowing of all of the parties, knowing of all the social circles that your life may end up being thrown into, the first thing that you've got to be able to do is identify the danger. Identify the danger. Because it's true that most disasters we can see coming. Most disasters are just disasters that are waiting to happen. So if they're there waiting to happen, why don't we now draw a line in the sand and look ahead at what are the potential pitfalls for you and I relationally this season? What are the potential tension-riddled opportunities that are gonna come our way that if we can just address them first, we might be able to avoid? I want you to be able to identify personal, family and friendship tensions that you know exist, but maybe you've just never given a name to it or to them. But I want you to be able to observe what's coming up and where are the potential family and friendship pitfalls? Because you know If you go to the party and they're there, there's going to be drama, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be carnage. You know that. You know that if you get together and you know what, your mum and dad are in the same room and they don't get on and chances are they're going to want to talk to you about A, B and C. Like You know that there's a disaster waiting to happen. You know that when you get around your sister, she's just got a way of rubbing you up the wrong way. You know that when you allow your brother to speak into your world, he just kind of pokes away and prods at you and he's always kind of like niggling away at you and he's dismissive towards you. He's kind of critical about what you do with your life and eventually it just vexes you. And sometimes in the past, you've even exploded on him or they've exploded on you. Like you know what's coming. And we're all the same in this because we can see it a mile off. So if we can see it a mile off, why don't we call it out now and try and address it and ask God, what can we do about this? So you've got to be able to identify the dangers. Create a roadmap of what this season ahead of you is gonna look like for your family. Now, if you're unsure... And if you're a little bit like, yeah, I don't think that we've got any trouble brewing. I don't think that there's going to be any disasters. I don't think there's going to be any danger for me. Then that's great and awesome. But before you dismiss it, what I would ask you to do first, if you're a little unsure, is ask yourself, what does your history tell you? Like what happened the last time there was a great big family blow up? What happened the last time when you as a group of friends that don't see each other all that often got together? Hey, what happened the last time you had too much to drink at the office thing? Like, what does your history tell you? Because if it's happened before, chances are it can very easily happen again and your history is your friend. So ask yourself that question. What does history tell you? And it might help you in being able to identify the dangers of the tensions that exist on a family and friendship level for you. Identify the personal trouble spots because sometimes you're gonna be able to avoid these by simply calling them out ahead of time. 
Let me give you some scripture. We're gonna go to a passage of scripture that the Apostle Paul is writing. And he's writing this in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 19. And he makes this statement that, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is not an advisory. This is something that he is saying in an instructional manner and an instructional tone. So if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not like you can just pick and choose what you like and what you don't like, and I'll follow this, but I'll dismiss that. Like when it comes to these teachings, these are something that we've got to do. Almost in the same way that James, the Jesus of brother, he actually says like, whatever you do, you don't wanna be the type of Christian that is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. James knew that hearing the scripture, like you're gonna hear it today in church, doesn't help you with anything anywhere. It's only when you apply and implement what the scriptures teach in your life that it makes an incredibly huge amount of difference. So I don't want us to be flippant with what Paul is saying. Now, here's the thing though. If you're not a Christian, then today you get off scot-free. But I think that you could follow his advice too. Pretend that you just heard this from a motivational speaker. You could ignore that this is from Scripture at all. You don't even have to know or believe that Apostle Paul was even a real person. Even though the history books will tell us that he is, you can just take this for yourself. But this is what he says about trying to just make your world relationally somewhat smoother. He says, let us, meaning let us as followers of Christ, therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. He was saying, guys, look, if you're part of a local church, if you're a follower of mine, like, hey, he would say to us today, if he was stood here, if Liverpool One Church is your home church, then when it comes to relating with your family, when it comes to relating to your friendship groups, when it comes to like how you manage your relationship, do everything that you possibly can that's gonna create a pathway of peace. Avoid the trouble, avoid the drama, avoid the conflict. Do what you can do. And this is an active word, isn't it? He's not kind of saying, just leave it to chance and hope for the best. He's saying, why don't you plan? Why don't you scheme? Why don't you make sure that every word that comes out of your mouth is gonna be a word that creates a pathway of peace? He was saying, do whatever needs to be done to create an environment that's calm. Do whatever that needs to be done that's gonna create a joyful attitude. Do whatever needs to be done that's gonna create peace in the house. And here's the thing. Paul says that you've got to do this. In other words, you're not to sit there and worry if someone else isn't because you can't control anybody else. You can't tell somebody else that they need to do the very thing that you feel led to do, but you can only control you. You're only responsible for you. And Paul is saying, look, as far as it goes to you, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, plan, scheme, create ways where you can be smart and create pathways of peace. The second thing that you've got to do is you've got to find a strategy to deal with the drama. Now, I know that I'm going to become that guy in some of your world right now, but I'm going to say this just with the pastor's heart, and you can know that I'm absolutely for you. I want to see you win in life, and I say this as a friend, but I guess that there are two groups of people in church right now. There are some of you and you create drama. Like wherever you go, it's like 
there's drama. It seems to like just be attracted to your life. And if you're not the one that causes the drama, then you're certainly the one that gets caught up in another person's drama. And I want to be able to speak to both groups of people to tell you now, you've got to find a strategy to be able to deal with the drama that is going to come this Christmas. Because if you do, it will help you avoid so much of the relational tension that exists in families and friendships and relationships. And let me speak firstly to those of you, and you probably know who you are, that are the causes of the drama. Let me be the voice in your world that nobody else will be because they want to be able to say this to you, but they feel like they can't in the full knowledge that if they were to voice this in your ear, it would cause so much drama, it would completely undo the need to have the conversation. People are fearful about raising this to your world. So let me be that voice to you today. If you're someone that loves the drama and you cause the drama and you create the drama, you're somebody that you like to find the problems that exist in life and you end up spending so much of your time majoring on minor things, you miss out on so much of the relational capital that is there for you to obtain in life. You miss out on some of the best things in life because you get so lost in creating the drama that exists between your own ears. And what you don't know, but everybody else around you does, is that you make the dinner table, you make the office party, you make the social gathering a really awkward environment for everybody else to be in when you over-dramatize everything. I mean, you have an ability to make even the smallest of problems that don't even register as an issue on anyone else's radar into something that it just doesn't need to become. And honestly, it's hard to be around you when you're like that. What will benefit the people around you in this season is for you to just dial down the level of drama, dial down the level of conflict. You don't need to be right on everything. You don't need an opinion on everything. You don't need to prove your point on everything. If they don't agree with you, who cares? You're going to be out of there in 90 minutes or two hours anyway. Like just dial down the drama. And whatever you do, if you're not somebody that causes the drama, but you get caught up in the drama, please do not ever mistakenly think that drama is caused solely by younger people or people of a certain sex, because it's absolutely not. Some of the oldest people in the room can cause the most drama, and it is equally as unhelpful as it is from a younger person. It doesn't matter what the sex, what the background, if you have a tendency to be the drama king, to be the drama queen, hey, can you just dial that down for the rest of us this Christmas? Because it just, it's hard to be around you and we love you and we want you around the table. We want you at the party. We want you at the thing. But when you bring that level of drama, it causes trauma for everybody else and it's just super awkward. But also, let me say this as well. If you get caught up in the drama, then you need to also learn the art of just being a little bit more gracious too. Because just because you might not be prone to being the drama king or the drama queen, if somebody else is, you need to learn the art of being gracious too. And even though it might be drama and it might be over-egging the pudding on a whole nother level and you can't see that it makes sense and this frustrates you, hey, 
It's doing something in their world. So you need to learn the art of just being somewhat more gracious. But there is a strategy that both groups of people can employ this Christmas. And if you do it, I think it will help you have a better Christmas, have a better holiday, have a better party, and have a better social gathering and environment that you're going to be included in this year. Proverbs 11.25 says this, A generous person will prosper. But whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Another translation says it like this. Whoever refreshes others, they themselves will be refreshed. I don't know what you're expecting from this Christmas and holiday season, but I do think that we are all the same, that every one of us wants a little bit of that feeling of just peace and relaxation, almost tranquility. What you want to feel is, man, I feel like I am refreshed. But the way to get that is by doing something that you don't always give credit to. The way to end up feeling refreshed, like you've had a break, like you've had a rest, is actually, according to, be, according to Scripture, it's by you choosing to refresh others. In other words, he's saying you've got to be a servant. You've got to be willing to go the extra mile. He's almost saying like this, I get it in the holiday season when you've got a few days off work and maybe this isn't going to happen for another three or four weeks yet or two or three weeks, but learn this now so you can avoid the trench that's waiting for you to fall in in just a few weeks' time. He's saying, look, rather than you make life about you on your day off and try and avoid that sense of making your world only about you and the world spins around you and even though we're all prone at times, to a little bit of self-centeredness. The idea is, is that if you serve other people, you'll end up feeling refreshed. Now, this can happen in many ways, and I'm going to blow some of your minds right now, especially for some of you younger people. You know what that looks like? It means offering to your parents. When you go back home or when you're there on Christmas Day or you're there at the family thing, offer to wash the dishes or do the dishwasher, clear the table. All the mums in the house are like, yes. But the reality of it is, is like be willing to be a servant. Again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't need to do this at all. But if you're a follower of Christ, then we can't read this and then not action it. Like you need to plan and prepare. And it doesn't mean that you have to do everything, but you can do something. And the moment that you start to refresh others, hey, let me help you with this. Let me help you with the bins. Help. Let me help you with the wrapping. Let me help you dragging the thing out or whatever. If you do that and be willing, to refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. Ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what can I do to help the other family members in my household or my other friends that I'm going to be around? What can I do that would be a blessing to them? In fact, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when the Scriptures talk about Jesus, it tells us that Jesus didn't come to be served, but rather he came to be a servant. So if you want to model Jesus, then you need to do what Jesus did. And what Jesus did was choose, above and beyond everything else, was to employ the mindset and the attitude of a servant. So if you want a bit more of attention, less life this Christmas, choose to refresh others and you yourself will be refreshed. The third and final point today, to give you a little bit more of a less bumpy relational family friendship life in this season is avoid stupid disagreements. 
Now, I'm gonna let you in on a little bit of an insight and I know that you're gonna judge me, but don't you judge me because we're all the same, right? But there have been times when we have sat down at our kitchen table and even invited friends and family rounds. And I can remember this one particular time where, man, we got so down a rabbit hole, we couldn't pull ourselves out of it even if we tried. I mean, talk about ridiculous arguments that started to ensue. It was crazy. Now, in our house, we're kind of split on a whole bunch of things, like especially when you bring in family and kids and we've got our own sort of opinions and, you know, we don't mind not being shy about them. So whenever we were talking around our dinner table, we ended up starting off speaking about Brexit. Now, hear me right. We don't really need to make church political, but in our house, we're completely split on Brexit. Some of us think it's a right thing. Some of us think it was a wrong thing. So it starts out on this general, almost warm, but on its way to getting heated conversation about Brexit that very quickly turned into a very fiery debate about politics, which also in our house, we are very fundamentally split on. Some people wanted us to do certain things to the Tories that others did not want us to participate in. Like we are just split. And like, if you can just imagine, like literally from the youngest to the oldest, it was just kind of like, you know, you've got an X amount year old and then a, a, an older person. Everybody's got different views, worldviews, political views. Well, this thing became like a tinderbox of conversation because literally 20 minutes into the meal, this is where we ended up. We had one kid banished to his bedroom. One kid had walked out the house and our guests had left. I mean, like that was a bonfire of a dinner, right? That was a bonfire of a family occasion that was supposed to be great that turned out to be just horrific and yet we could have avoided all of that just by choosing to avoid stupid arguments and you can do the same this Christmas too you can actually choose to do what Paul told Timothy to do and Timothy was a young up-and-coming leader and again this wasn't a suggestive kind of text Paul said to Timothy hey listen you want to be serious about being a follower of Christ, if you want to be a leader, this is what you need to do. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, Paul says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant, that's you, must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. So Paul was saying, you know, look, guys, you, you can't be quarrelsome. Even if your natural personality profile has got you listed as the aggressive debater, even if you're a high J and you think that everybody else should see the world the way that you see it, you can't be quarrelsome. It's not easy to be around you if all you want to do is start an argument. And Paul was saying, like, look, don't fight the fires that don't need to be fought. Like, go, don't go down that route. And what he actually says is that you've got to be kind to everybody. And I'm a bit frustrated when I see that because I would love there to be some exceptions, like kind to everybody except the mother-in-law or whoever you can fill in the blank for you. You can decide. But what Paul doesn't give us is what I want, which are the exceptions. He says, look, you've got to be kind to everyone, not quarrelsome not argumentative, not always trying to point out your thing and let everybody else know how, like, it doesn't get you anywhere. 
Ephesians 4, he also talks on this topic, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 29, where he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those that listen. I mean, could you imagine how different this season would look for you if you just chose not to let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth? Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, your language should be better than that of your work colleagues. Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm just saying, you, you can't have two languages and two ways that you talk, one in work or one in uni and then one in church on a Sunday. Paul's like, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But if you really wanna go the distance on this and really go your absolute utmost to avoid the conflict that comes when we have unnecessary disagreements, why don't you do what Proverbs 19:11 tells us to do? It says this, it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. In other words, the idea is this. Hey, listen, when you're sat around the table, when you're in that social environment, when you're at the bar, when you're at the party, when you're at the thing, why don't you in this Christmas season choose to understand this premise that tells us that it is to your glory when you choose to overlook an offense. Do you know what that means? That when you choose to not fight back, even though you could, when you choose to overlook the snide comment, the funky remark, and even though you'd be well and truly within your right to stand your ground and argue your peace, like when you choose to overlook that, it's you that ends up looking wise. It's you that ends up looking smart. It's you that ends up looking like, man, you're just so, you're so together and balanced and you're not knocked off peace by anyone's small words. It's you that ends up being showered in glory. It's you that looks better than everybody else because you choose to overlook the offence. That's my prayer for us all this Christmas as we approach this holiday season, that we would get it right. As we mingle, as we hang out, as we meet family and friends, new relationships and old relationships, they can all just be a little less bumpy in the road if we follow what these scriptures will teach us. Church, time has gone, why don't we stand to our feet? We're gonna close our eyes, bow our heads, and we're gonna pray together. Then the band are gonna sing some more, so. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we know that having good, healthy, balanced relationships are so important to you because you made a way that it's possible for us to know you by giving away the best relationship that anybody could ever have. So God, I pray that in this season, we would all as a church family, but more than that, way more than that, as followers of Christ, that we would honour you during this Christmas holiday season by being wise and smart with our words, by choosing to dial down the drama, not be so disagreeable, and by looking ahead and observing what the potential danger would be so that this Christmas, in this season, at home and at work, we would be a blessing to those around us and that we would experience peace and a level of relational harmony that we've never experienced before in this time and season. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. 
amen. With every head still bowed though and every eye still closed, right now the band are gonna sing for us. But before they do, I'm gonna say a real quick prayer. And I guess that there's probably things running around your head right now. But I'm gonna say this prayer and it's intentionally targeted at those of you that have just never made a decision to say, I wanna be a Christian. And right now, even though there's a bunch of questions that you have and there's many things that you don't understand, being in the room and listening to what the Scriptures teach and what they share, and you can see, like, this just makes sense to you. You want to say right now, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. Then I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to invite you right now to pray this in your heart with me as a sign, as a statement to God, your Father in heaven, that you wanna make this relationship with Him right and real. So let us pray. Father in heaven, I come to you today and I'm asking that you would live in my life. I'm asking and inviting you to take residence in my heart. I believe that you're real. I believe that you gave Jesus as your one and only son to die on a cross for me. So I believe in you. And I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin and all the things that I've done wrong that exist as a barrier between where I am and where you are. Make me clean in your eyes as from this day moving forward, I'm calling myself a Christian and a follower of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.